It's November 17th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. Today is a special edition of The Wright Report, all built by you. And that is because over the past few months, we have covered a lot of news and I've gotten a lot of remarkable emails and listener feedback, and I've only been able to share some of that with you. But today, I'm going to share a bit more. So first, we are going to talk about the Middle East because a listener wants to know, Brian, do you really trust the Israeli government when they talk to you about their operation in Gaza? All right, fair. I've got an answer to that. Second, a question this morning for us about Christmas and China. And that's because for years now, American consumers have unknowingly been purchasing goods that are made by Chinese people in concentration camps. They're called the Uyghur people. So a listener wants to know if that is still happening. I've got an update for you. Third, I've gotten some criticism from listeners who say that I cover illegal migration just too darn much. And they want to know why, if I've got some sort of secret bias. All right, well, I'll explain that. Finally, I got an email from the son of a listener. Uh, Christopher is the young man's name. And unfortunately, he is getting bullied at school. And he would like to know if I have any CIA tricks to deal with it. All right, well, I've got a few ideas. But before we get to that, one other quick thing. All of my responses today will be a conversation. No script, especially about that bullying stuff. That one's going to come from the heart. But first, let's get to our other questions this morning, and let's start with the Middle East. So Randall, in the fine state of Georgia, wants to know this. Brian, your coverage of the war in the Middle East is quite good, but sometimes you reference what Israel says, and you don't caveat that or challenge whether or not you really believe it. So I want to know, are you as suspicious of their claims as you are, say, Hamas? Okay, Randall, good and fair question. So two things. First, I put more credence in what Israel says than a terror group. So let's just start with that. But second, more broadly, I don't trust anybody. And I'm going to tell you why. A couple stories. We're going to start first with Israel, actually. So a number of years ago, there was a CIA officer and and he was traveling to Tel Aviv for a, uh, well, we'll just say a thing. So next to him on the plane was a very nice gentleman, an Israeli guy, and they start to engage in small talk. And the Israeli asked the, uh, the CIA officer, oh, oh hey, are you married? And the CIA officer says, no, he's not. The Israeli then says, oh, well, gosh, well, what kind of lady are you interested in marrying someday? So they started joking, probably having a cocktail or two. And the CIA officer describes this, you know, dream lady. Uh, and she is tall, brunette, very kind, but maybe just a little sassy. Okay, well, they chat and have a good time. The plane lands, they part ways, and the CIA officer is in Israel for about a week. Then when things wrap up, he hops back on a plane, uh, sits down, and well, who would you know sits right next to him for that very long trip back to the United States? Yes, it is a girl, a very lovely lady, tall, brunette, kind, and a little bit sassy. Well, isn't that just a coincidence? So here's the best part. The CIA officer says to me, Brian, look, I'm like a five out of 10 on the hotness scale. And this girl was like a 10 out of 10. So there was a mismatch. So I knew what was going on. In other words, 
The Israelis were engaging in what is uh, called a honeypot operation. So this CIA guy, that he did what most good intel officers uh, do. Uh, well, first, he flirted with the girl the entire way home. But then second, when he got back to headquarters, he reported exactly what happened. So the point, Randall, on this first story is that America does not have friends, including Israel. Instead, we have interests. And just to clarify what I mean, every nation looks out for itself and they do whatever it takes to protect themselves and their interests. And that also includes, as you would imagine now, leveraging their most beautiful of brunettes. Now, that does not mean that uh, if I ever had to work with the Israelis on an operation, I wouldn't want to work with them closely or that I wouldn't believe their intelligence, which for what it's worth is usually very, very good. But what it does mean is that I'm going to be very suspicious. I'm going to ask lots of questions. And when I look at their intel, I'm going to wonder and indeed I'm going to ask, are they intending to inform me? And that's good. Or are they intending to influence me, which is not as good. So that is what I consider as I read news from the Middle East and Israel or frankly anywhere else, right? I bring that background, my knowledge, my skepticism, and I bring my own uh, sources in many cases. And I try very hard then to, to synthesize all of that before I bring things to you. I try to find information and analysis that is medium to high confidence so that you can have confidence as you believe all the things that we're talking about and you share that with others. All right, so that's the first story out of Israel about another officer. I want to tell you about another story, and this one involves me. So I was working with our British friends. We were working on a, on a thing, and one of the British ladies uh, uh, that I was working with, I will call her Jamie Bond instead of James Bond. So we were working on this operation, and she started chatting with me about whether I had ever been to the United Kingdom. And I said, yes. I spoke about Scotland, Edinburgh, great city. Uh, also talked about being in London. And she said, oh, you must come back. So we started talking about that, just generally how much fun that would be. And then she said, no, I, I really think that you should come back sometime. And and you don't even have to worry about uh, bringing your phone if you don't want. I know a specific place that you can go to on a specific date and we can just sit down and have coffee. <clears throat> oh, Jamie Bond, I bet you'd love that. The point is what she was trying to do is separate me from my comms, from my phone, get me off grid and sit me down to have a cup of coffee, quote unquote, trying to then build a clandestine relationship with me, not because it was a romantic thing. Instead, she was trying to find a way to make sure that she and I could talk about work stuff. So the point is, ladies and gentlemen, even our friends, the British, they try to dangle pretty ladies and temptations in front of us to see what they can get. So... Once again, Randall, I don't trust the British either because they too understand that they have interests and not friends. And for what it's worth, these same kinds of stories are true wherever I have gone or operated abroad. Every single foreign government in every continent, they're all the same. It is a dog-eat-dog -dog world where everybody is trying to gain advantage over the other and they will do whatever it takes. And that is why I trust no one. And that includes working on this podcast and looking for information and bringing it to you all. So as ever, I will continue to bring this skepticism and this experience abroad as I bring you the news. All right, next up, let's talk about another place and a government that I do not trust, and that's China. So a listener named Rachel from Clarksville, Tennessee wrote in, which just let me pause for a second, Rachel, 
There is a restaurant. It is called Patty's 1880 Settlement. It's about an hour north of Clarksville. I think it's in uh, Grand uh, Rivers, Kentucky. And Rachel, if you haven't been there, they offer the best pork chop that I've ever had in my life. And if you haven't been there, you should go. Trust me, and you're welcome. But anyway, back to your question. So Rachel said that she has been with me since the old podcast that I hosted. And last fall, around this time, we started discussing how China has concentration camps. And they are full, uh, full of a bunch of people called the Uyghur people. And they are, unfortunately, uh, they've been deemed enemies of the communist state. And they are forced to work in factories in the Xinjiang province. Uh, other times, they are being forced to move around China to, to work in other factories and other places, including and especially the fishing industry. And as these Uyghurs are in these different places, they are producing all kinds of products. And that includes things like, yes, Christmas decorations and toys and clothes. So Rachel wrote in now a year later and asked, is this all still happening? Because she is about to go uh, doing some Christmas shopping. She, she doesn't want to buy any of that stuff. So first, Rachel, bless you for remembering this and remembering and, and thinking about it. And uh, I appreciate you very, very much. Second, the answer is... Yes, sadly, it is still happening. So again, let's refresh our memories on this. The weaker people have been a pain in the side from the Communist Party's perspective for over 20 years. And about 20 years ago, the Communist Party started cracking down hard. And they would either lock people up in the Xinjiang province, or they would ship them abroad, or I should say to other places in China, as I mentioned. Well, the United States, we knew this. And so we passed a law banning the goods that were produced by those slave laborers in these various factories. Plus, we banned the cotton that these uh, Uyghurs would pick from the Xinjiang province for the clothes and so forth. But the challenge has been, how do you prove or disprove whether these Chinese goods are coming from these Uyghur slaves? Well, in the case of, of cotton, at least, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, they do spot checks on the cotton clothes and fabric that come from China and doing something called a, a forensic analysis of it. It's an isotopic testing, they call it. So the last spot check that I'm aware of by the U.S. Customs and Border folks was about four months ago. And that showed about 30% of the clothes that come to this country from China come from this Xinjiang province and that slave labor. So if we could think about that a little bit differently, if you're looking at three pieces of clothes in a store, give or take, and they're all from China, one almost certainly comes from those concentration camp victims. But I'll tell you, that is only part of the problem, right? Chinese cotton and fabric, it gets purchased by others outside of China in places like Vietnam and Cambodia, Bangladesh. So even if you look at a tag and it doesn't say made in China, but rather it says made in Vietnam, it's probably still using that Chinese slave cotton. Okay, but it gets even worse because it's not just cotton clothes. It's also shoes that come from Asia. Those are made by the Uyghurs. It's also solar panels. We discussed that back in August, also made by the Uyghurs. Lastly, and again, to focus on the Christmas time, yes, many of our Christmas decorations come from the Xinjiang factories or from the Uyghur slaves throughout China. So Rachel, here's my recommendation when you can buy america and if you can't at least look at the tags and try to avoid the stuff that comes from asia right avoid the stuff that comes from vietnam or thailand because those supply chains from those countries unfortunately are very tightly wound to china and for what it's worth if you're looking for alternatives beyond america 
India is a little bit better depending on the company and the product. That is about the only uh, sort of Asia-based uh, product or place that I would feel comfortable to recommend or, or buy from. But nevertheless, the bottom line, buy America wherever you can. And otherwise, if you're going to purchase stuff out of Asia, just buyer beware. You don't know what you're getting when you purchase stuff from that place. All right, next up. We got some criticism this morning. Aaron from uh, South Dakota, amongst others, wrote in. So here's the critique. Uh, Brian, she said, I understand that illegal migration is a problem. I understand that it's bad, but I feel like you cover it too much. I think that there's a lot of other stuff going on all around uh, the world and America, and I think that that deserves more coverage. All right, Aaron and to the other folks who wrote in with a similar critique, I really earnestly do appreciate this. And I will say to you, as always, boy, I wish I could. I need to live stream my days because I spend a lot of time, at least four hours each day, going around America and around the world trying to find news that involves all sorts of different com- uh, countries, all sorts of different topics. And it's really important that I do. Meanwhile, it is true that I do cover the southern border and what most reasonable people would say is a pretty profound crisis. And I just want to recap for us this morning why I do that. So first, polls show over and over and over again that voters think that this issue of a collapsed southern border is one of your top three concerns. So I think that I would be a little bit bonkers to not talk about it. And to this point of polls, recall that a year ago in August, uh, I've told you about that poll from NPR that showed that a majority of Americans believe that we are being invaded the southern border crisis is not just a problem, but it qualifies as an invasion. So that's a pretty big deal. An invasion, to just clarify, includes millions of people who are unvetted and includes a record number of people who are on the terror watch list, though I acknowledge that list is imperfect. Still, an invasion of America is worth a lot of coverage, I think. Third, let's talk about the migrants. They're not coming here because they love America. They're coming here because they want money. Indeed, we've covered this with some very, very good data. 75% of these illegal migrants come here for economic opportunities. Again, they're coming here for jobs and money, which is not enough to claim legal asylum, but that's what they're doing. In other words, millions of people who have no shared language with us no shared love of country, no common bonds, no desire to see America excel. They're just coming here, they're lying to get here, and they're doing it for money, a transaction. And I think that that is very, very important to think about in terms of the long-term viability of a nation when you start filling your country full of those kinds of people. All right, let's talk about another angle, another piece of this migrant crisis. Fourth, when we talk about the migrants, they come here largely without skills, which means that they are a a profound, really, economic burden. In fact, I have shared with you the study that comes uh, from the uh, academies of science that show that first-generation migrants are a net burden on society financially. Although, I tell you, I don't think that we need a lot of studies anymore to prove this, do we? All we have to do is, is look what's happening in New York City and Chicago D.C., Boston, all sorts of cities all around this country who are screaming for help. In fact, at that point, I don't know, did did you all see this yesterday? New York City is going to cut its budget by 15% because of this migrant crisis. And to clarify, the mayor said yesterday that the 15% 
is going to end up creating a lower quality of life for folks who live in that uh, Manhattan and the other boroughs, including that the city is going to start picking up the trash a lot less. So that's lovely. It also means, according to the mayor, that they are going to hire fewer police officers. And that will mean that the NYPD will be down to a police force that is smaller in size than since the 1990s. So in other words, Aaron, if we start putting this all together, this this crisis isn't just bad. It's starting to break this nation and our major cities. Finally, let's talk about this. I covered back in August how the record number of illegals are going to change our politics all because of the census, right? So to, rec- to refresh our memories on this, every person counts in a census, whether they are here legally or otherwise. And that census is used to then determine the, the number of house seats that a particular state gets. So because of these millions of illegal migrants, some states are going to gain house seats, but some states will lose some. So as we imagine who's going to win or lose, the losers will probably be conservative states where the migrants didn't go or were not welcome. So this migrant crisis, again, Aaron, ladies and gentlemen, it is changing the very future of this country. It is a slow moving coup. And that's actually the last part of why I think this is so important to keep talking about. The world is watching this coup take place. That includes our friends, such as they are, and our enemies as well. And when they see a U.S. federal government and a president that are both allowing this to happen, it shows weakness. It shows rot. It shows that our leadership is feckless and vulnerable. And that is wildly dangerous because as they see this, it increases the chances that they do something terrible to this country because they view us as so very weak. One final point, Aaron, because I think this is just worth repeating. A majority of Americans think that we are being invaded. So why would that not get the most profound attention from me or anybody else who covers the news? What other issue could possibly be more important than when a country is being invaded and you are the one being invaded? Truly, I, I offer that as a challenge. Name another issue. I logically can't think of one. But nevertheless, perhaps reasonable people can disagree. So for all those reasons, Aaron, and with deep respect, I'm going to continue to cover this issue with facts and data. I will also continue to try to find stories of hope and promise on this issue that suggest that we can fix it, that we can fix this crisis. Because I think as we discussed this morning and have for many times now, it is profoundly important that we do solve it. The future of the country depends on it. With that, let's take our first break of the morning, folks. We'll be right back. Well, the world is just awful lately, isn't it? And sometimes it makes you just want to crawl into bed and scream into your mattress to make it all go away. Well, if you do, just make sure that your mattress is made by GhostBed. Seriously, folks, GhostBed makes the finest mattresses on the market today with craftsmanship and high-quality materials that you can feel as you fall asleep. And I would know. I had their Lux model and I bought it because I sleep hot and that thing helps keep me cool all night long for a great night's sleep. Now, people have asked, how does this technology work to cool you? I don't know. Magic? Maybe little elves in there somewhere with ice cubes? Probably. But it doesn't matter. Their mattresses, ladies and gentlemen, are top notch. And if you don't believe me, that's okay. They have a 101-day trial period plus free shipping and returns so you can try it out in the comfort of your own home. 
So go to ghostbed.com backslash right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And you can explore all of their incredible models. And right now, they are giving my listeners 40% off their ghost bed purchases. But you got to use that code right. Again, go to ghostbed.com backslash right. W-R-I-G-H-T. And get yourself the good night's sleep that you deserve. Welcome back to The Right Report and this special edition, listener edition. So our next and final question this morning, it's perhaps one of the more touching uh, that I've gotten in a long while. So it's from Ed, uh, but also his son, Christopher, and they live in Southern Virginia. And Christopher asked his dad to write me with this next problem. So Christopher is 13 years old. He is in junior high and he is getting bullied at school. And he would like to know if the CIA ever taught me any tricks that he might use against the jerks who are bothering him. Well, Christopher, let me share a few things. First, the junior high years are probably the worst. They were for me. All right, everybody is changing. Hormones are just making things confusing. People are irritable and moody. And sadly, not everybody has a good dad like you do. And I want to tell you a story about that. So when I was your age, there was a kid with me in junior high, and I'll just give his uh, first and, uh, name, Bobby, although Bobby T, let's call him Bobby T. So he was angry all the time, and he loved to pick fights. He threw more than a few punches, uh, more than a few at me, and it was awful, and I hated him, and most of us did. Well, about 10 years after high school ended, I went back home, and I saw Bobby T in the grocery store. And I tell you, I I bowed up just reflexively. I clenched my fist like I was 14 years old again, ready to fight. But he came up to me with the nicest smile. He shook my hand and he apologized just right there out of the blue without me saying a single word. And he shared with me that during those junior high and high school years, he was being abused and he was a very angry young man. He was angry at everybody because he didn't know what to do. Well, after high school, Bobby said that his life was not all that great, but eventually he got away from the abuse and he found the Lord and he turned his life around. And I could see it on his face. He was happy. He was smiling. I could see the kindness. So the point, Christopher, is that some of the bullies that you are around right now may very well be in the middle of a nightmare, just like Bobby T was. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't protect yourself. And my goodness, listen to your mom and dad about what that looks like for your family to protect yourself. But perhaps a little part of you can find a way to to pray for people like Bobby T. Because they might be the ones bullying you. And yet, Christopher, that doesn't really help you right now, does it? You know, when you feel so terrible for being picked on for whatever reason. If you're like me, you know, maybe you're a little shorter, a little tall, or a little, little skinny or chubby. Or maybe your clothes are a little too old or out of fashion. And it hurts a lot when people are mean about those things. So let me offer you two things about how to respond in those moments or those environments when you're getting picked on, ultimately for being different. So first, here's the secret, Christopher. We're all a little bit weird. (laughs) And that's cool. And that's good, actually. And I want to tell you why. So there was a guy that I worked with at the CIA, and he looked almost exactly like a man named Bob Ross. And if you don't know who that was, have your dad look him up online for you. Years ago, he painted on TV. 
And he was famous for, for painting uh, little happy trees, he would say, and a, a little happy river and a little happy bush, right? And he was such a, a, a sweet fellow. He had big hair, kind of a goofy looking guy. But really, he was beloved by so many of us. Well, at any rate, I worked with a guy at the CIA who looked just like him. And he was a little bit weird and goofy too, to be honest. But here's the cool part. This guy at the CIA that looked like Bob Ross, he was an incredibly gifted officer. And that's because he could meet with people all around the world who were also a little bit weird. And when he did, they got along like peas and carrots. In other words, he could be an outsider with these folks just like he is. And together, they could build some incredible clandestine operations with each other. So Christopher, the point is that we need everybody in this world. Right? The CIA that I worked with, they needed everybody. And if you are a little bit weird, then good and welcome to the club. <laughs> One final piece of advice, my man. I sure wish, uh, I'm going to share something with you. I wish I had learned what I'm about to tell you back in my teens and in my 20s. It's a thought experiment. So let's imagine that I am with you in your home right now. All right. And we are in your backyard. And in front of us, we've got a hot air balloon. So we're going to hop into the basket. And your dad's like, awesome. And he's waving at us and saying, have fun. And your mom, she's turning white and praying to Jesus that we don't crash. But anyway, we, we float higher and higher. And now we're above your hometown. All right. And now as we look down, as far as the eye can see, I want you to think about this. In 100 years time, Every person that is inside every house and car, every building, train, and factory that we see, every one of those people will be gone. A new generation of people will be down there living life. And then if you float up a little higher, you're going to see your whole state and then your whole country. And the same thing will be true. Everybody will be gone and a new generation will be there in 100 years time. Now, on one hand, that's a little bit sad and scary to think about perhaps but if you really think about it it is incredibly empowering and here's why christopher when you get bullied when people hurt your feelings it's because fundamentally you care what they think about you but up here in our balloon you can see that all those mean voices down there are just a couple of millions of the many people just a handful and they're not even here for very long so why should we care about what some of those people think about us? Why should we spend our lives being consumed by what these ding-dongs think? The answer is we shouldn't. It's a total waste of time. It's a waste of our short lives. So instead, as we lower our balloon back to the ground, just be you. Listen to your mom and dad as they help you to figure out how to become a good, strong man who has good morals and principles, is a, a good friend and a good neighbor. But don't let anybody steal your joy as you explore who you are and what you want to do with your life. And as you go through that journey, figuring out who you are and what makes you happy, here's the great part. No matter who you are, you will find people who are like you that like you. And if you ever get down, as people are hurting your feelings, whether that be now in your teens or as an old man someday, I want you to get back in that hot air balloon. And I want you to go up to the sky and I want you to look down. And I want you to remember that all those little voices that might sniper at you, that bully you, that hurt you, they're just a handful and they will disappear in time. 
Or maybe, maybe they'll be like Bobby T. And they'll come up to you one day in the grocery store and they'll say they're sorry. And then you can shake their hands and after many, many years, you can say, it's okay. And I forgive you. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.